you are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Locked On Braves, and today is a big deal indeed. Brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, found where all of your favorite podcasts may be located. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Blueberry, Stitcher, or just if you use your, your Alexa or your Google Voice, you can find the Locked On Braves anywhere you choose to digest your podcasts. Follow along and subscribe to all of the Locked On podcast shows, whether that be the Braves, the Astros, the Hawks, the Falcons, whatever. Subscribe and follow along, and you can be notified when a new episode posts so you can stay abreast of all of your favorite teams in short, easily digestible episodes brought to you to give you exactly what you need to know when you need to know at the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for everybody. All right, so... Today is the trade deadline, and we are going to talk about that, I promise. First things first, the Braves win in extra innings to take two out of three from the Nationals, which was a very important game as it pushes the lead back to six and a half games, which I thought was really important. This Nationals team, they are very talented, but they are a team that if you can mess with their mental game, that is not their strong suit. Just like at the beginning of the year when they dug themselves into a huge hole, you can do that again in six and a half games is a rather large and comfortable lead. Today was an important day. It didn't turn out so well when you turned it over to the bullpen. Mike Soroka had a great day on the mound today. Unfortunately, he does not get rewarded for his efforts as the Braves' bullpen blows it. But that is a thing of the past as we have a whole new bullpen to go over in just a second. But just a line on Mike Soroka. He does go seven innings, only gives up three hits, one earned run on a home run. Three walks, three strikeouts, so that was a little odd, but it was a lot of contact, and it was Mike Soroka at his best with his sinker working to perfection. He was a little bit up in the zone today from what you're used to seeing, but all in all, I thought he could have gone out for the eighth, and he probably needed to because here's the bullpen line. It stopped me if you've heard this before. Uh, Anthony Swarzak, one inning, one run, no strikeouts, gives up a homer. Luke Jackson, no innings. Two hits, two runs, two earned. Sean Newcomb comes in to clean up his mess. One inning, one hit, one walk, one strikeout. He also is the one that allowed the two runs in. They just get charged to Luke Jackson. And then Josh Tomlin comes in in the 10th inning after Josh Donaldson hits a go-ahead home run. And Tomlin somehow works himself into gigantic trouble. Anthony Rendon up at the plate with, uh, I believe it was the bases loaded uh, with with the winning run on second base. And somehow... Uh, Tomlin pitches himself out of it to get himself a save. Sean Newcomb gets the win. And they beat up Anibal Sanchez pretty good. Old friend Anibal Sanchez, who only went five innings, gave up ten hits, four earned runs. Did have six strikeouts and gave up a home run to, oh, who was it that got that home run? Uh, Adam Duvall, who uh, has been absolutely incredible since his call-up. He's hitting 500 now. He has more hits. uh, He has more hits in five games, five or six games this year than he did his entire 33 games last year for Atlanta, so let you know that Duvall's in the right place. But 
Enough is enough. I know what you guys are here for, and you're here for one reason, and that is trades. Today was the trade deadline, and it did not disappoint. If you guys didn't catch it last night, the Braves traded Colby Allard to the Texas Rangers for Chris Martin. If you don't know who Chris Martin is, Chris Martin is a 33-year-old reliever who is a big, big man, listed at six foot eight, 215 pounds with a fastball to match. He has a flamethrower. Averaging over 10 strikeouts per nine, almost 11 strikeouts per nine, and a staggering .95 walks per nine. That's the number that's going to stand out. He is a control artist. He does not walk people. He has walked four people totaled this season. He walked somebody last week. That was the first walk he'd given up since the month of April. So the Braves are getting a great piece for the back end of their bullpen, somebody that they know can come in and throw strikes and be consistent. And he also has a great story to go along with it. Martin is a guy, didn't get drafted out of high school, didn't really get drafted out of college or looked at, went and played in Japan, and he's got a weird contract situation. If you look at him on Fangraphs or BRAF or Spotrack, it'll tell you that he's going into arbitration too. That's not entirely accurate. When he signed with Texas out of the Nippon Hams in the Japanese League, it was a two-year deal, so it's kind of a rental for him this year, but you only gave up Colby Allard, who, despite being better this year than in previous years, was still probably the probably about the eighth, probably about the eighth pitcher on the list. Uh, the fact that Colby couldn't get up even when Wright and Wilson and Tukey and Newcomb were all struggling, it tells you a lot about uh, where the Braves had Colby Allard placed in their own division, in their own uh, farm system rankings, and going by MLB Pipeline's uh, latest top, uh, latest top thirty, I believe Colby was tenth in the latest iteration. And that's that's obviously after a lot of other players had graduated the list coming into the season. He was fourteenth or seventeenth, fourteenth, I believe. Uh, so he goes to the Rangers straight up for Chris Martin, and that's a deal that can work out. I don't think. The Braves can absorb that loss really, really easily. Uh, that one shouldn't affect much. You do It opens up a spot in Gwinnett, which I think you'll see Ian Anderson move to because he did not get traded today. So I think you'll see Ian Anderson up in Gwinnett very, very soon. Then we'll go to a smaller deal. The Braves traded for catcher John Ryan Murphy for cash considerations. Uh, essentially, they just needed uh, some some catcher depth in the minors. Uh, and John Ryan Murphy is a really good defensive catcher, and he is abysmal with the bat. So uh, just a glove-first type of guy, a guy that a lot of teams like to carry around in their minor league system, works well with young pitchers, calls a really good game. It's good for the young pitchers to get a guy like that. And they could use some depth, seeing as Rafi Lopez has been hurt pretty much all season. Then you get into the bigger moves. The Braves acquired Mark Melanson from the Giants. Now, if you remember Melanson in his Pittsburgh years, he was a three-time All-Star, and his last his late his last All-Star appearance, I believe, was 2016 when he was still closing for Pittsburgh. Then he signed a big deal for the Giants, eighteen and a half million he's worth this year, and the Braves took on all of that money. And in return, they gave up Tristan Beck and Dan Winkler. Now, Tristan Beck was the draft pick out of Stanford last year, fourth round pick, and he's a guy that a lot of a lot of evaluators really, really liked. He's a kind of he kind of just fell through the cracks in his draft. He was seen as a first round pick. He got injured, came back and had a really good season, but just kind of fell by the wayside. And the Braves scooped him up in the fourth round. It was a very savvy pick. He's a very savvy pitcher. Um, nothing that's really put away stuff, but once he starts to trust his fastball a little bit more. That's a good get for the Giants. Uh, and they also got Dan Winkler, which for me, just getting Dan Winkler out of here was a plus. So 
when you traded Allard and Winkler, that opened up two 40-man spots. And why is that important? Bear in mind, keep that thought in mind as we finish out these trades. I'll explain that all in the second half of the show. Obviously, the biggest deal of the day, the Braves trade for Shane Green, the closer from the Tigers with the 1-1-8 ERA. They give up Travis Demerit and Joey Wentz. A quick moment of silence, please, for Joey Wentz, as he was one of my absolute favorite prospects in the entire system. I love Joey Wentz, and I am very sad to see him go. But he was kind of buried in the system. Uh, he, he will be much higher placed in the Tiger system, and he'll probably be their number three pitcher, probably slide in right behind Matt Manning and Casey Mize, depending on how you rank those two. Um, so it's a good place for Joey Wentz to go. It's a good ballpark for him to go to eventually once he gets up there. And the Braves get a closer. Now, I've told you, I don't know if I've told you on this show or not, if it was uh, the Platinum Sombrero where I talked about it, but I'm not a huge Shane Green guy. Shane Green is having a really good year, surface stats-wise, this year. With a 1180 ERA, you can't argue with that. Over 10 strikeouts per nine, less than three walks per nine. Um, but he's got an insanely low BABIP against him, which is batting average on balls in play. Essentially, when a hitter puts a ball in, in the park, so not a home run. Uh, any any ball that's in play, they're hitting 178 against him, which is unsustainably low. He's got a career 303 against him. He has a 370 FIP, which is fielding independent pitching, and a 380 XFIP, which is expected fielding percentage, and it also uh, includes home runs in that in that scenario. So he's got kind of a weird line. His ERA minus is 26, which is shortlist elite. His FIP minus is 80, which is still good, uh, but not nearly as elite. His Sierra kind of reflects that at a 345. And he's kind of done some things a little bit differently this year. He's using his cutter a whole lot more, which has been traditionally his best pitch. Uh, he just hasn't used it as often. So there's some reason to believe that that Green's season is not entirely luck-based. There is some regression coming. Um, you just hope that it doesn't turn into what it was a season ago where he was one of the worst closers in all of baseball with a 5-12 ERA and a 4-6-1 FIP. It was actually worth negative value. Season before he was at two six six, but he carried a high FIP. And the season before that was at five eight two with a three one three FIP. So for the most part, you're getting a guy that over the course of his career is a four five three and a four ten FIP with a four oh six X FIP. What you're hoping is he's figured something different out this year. You're hoping that the new cutter utilization that he's using that it's it's something sustainable and not just because hitters are not used to seeing him throw it as often. Regardless, it had to be done. Luke Jackson is starting to turn back into a pumpkin. I've told you guys all season. I've loved what Luke has given us so far, but that's always been my worry with him. Uh, Anthony Swarzak starting to turn back into a pumpkin as well, which I kind of thought was bound to happen. Uh, regression is a mother. But that's not all. You add in Mel- uh, you add in Melanson. He's had a good year this year. Uh, that's another guy you feel good about plugging in at the back end of that bullpen, and that's a guy that the Braves locker room was really, really excited about adding because he's got a track record. When you can add a guy with a track record, it's a good thing. You didn't give up a ton to get him. Uh, probably a couple of the favorite type of prospects from uh, Cross Checker and former Braves director of scouting Brian Bridges is over there. Melanson with eight and a half strikeouts per nine, three walks per nine, which you like to see come down a little bit. But he's got a 3.50 ERA and a 3.33 FIP, and he has closing experience. So if on the off chance that Shane Green somehow ends up reverting to last year's form, you've got another guy right in there in Melanson who can take that over. So the bullpen gets a major, major overhaul. 
We're going to go to break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about what that means for the team this season in particular and how I feel they stack up. Does this help their their playoff chances? Does this help them against the Dodgers in the race towards the World Series? And we'll take a look at how this seismic shift has affected the minor league system and how well it stacks up, along with one team that just can't get out of their own way. Coming up next right here on Locked on Braves. Okay, guys, let's talk about sex. Not just any sex. I'm talking about good sex. The kind you used to have back when you ruled the bedroom. Everybody, every man alive wants to have that confidence in the bedroom. And thanks to my friends at BlueChew.com, you can. BlueChew is the first chewable ED pill with the same FDA active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you can take it with confidence. You can take them anytime. So you can keep that spontaneity alive and your wife will thank you for it. And guys, without ED, this isn't just for men with ED. This is for any guy who's looking to take that next step, who's ready to up their performance in the bedroom. Most guys talk the talk, stand out from the crowd with Blue Chew. And since Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped directly to your door, Blue Chew is cheaper and way less awkward than the other leading brands. Go to BlueChew.com, use the promo code MLB to get your first shipment for free. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, BlueChew.com, promo code MLB to get your first shipment delivered discreetly to your door today. BlueChew.com, skip the awkwardness. Welcome back to Locked on Braves. In the first segment, I told you about the trades that happened, just the bare basic packages. Now let's talk a little bit about how this changes the Atlanta Braves and how they stack up, not only in the division, but in the race against the Dodgers and how they would stack up in a particular World Series should they get that far. So going into the trade deadline... I know the bullpen has performed statistically better than all of us thought they would, especially particularly early in the year. That doesn't mean it's been easy. That doesn't mean we've ever had a lot of confidence in them. I certainly have not had confidence in this bullpen facing great uh, great players and, and great teams. So I would still categorize the bullpen was the biggest weakness going into this deadline. Now, I didn't necessarily think that they were going to be able to pull off three moves because people have been charging a premium for relievers. So Alex should be credited for getting three bullpen pieces and not giving up or only giving up three top 30 pieces, period, not a top 100 in the bunch, although Joey was pretty close. I believe he was right outside the top 100. Um, but giving up no higher than your top, your number seven prospect on the updated list on MLB Pipelines and Joey Wentz. So that was good. The Braves' bullpen is substantially better tomorrow than it was today. That's a good thing. The Braves now have a bullpen that, while I don't know that any of these guys are what I would consider elite pieces. Like they're, they're not Felipe Vasquez. They're not Rice at Iglesias. Who's struggling this year. They're not a Rawls Chapman, nothing like that, but they're all three of these guys are better than what you had before. And all three of them will instantly slot in as the top three pieces in your bullpen. That helps you immeasurably because it pushes your three worst out, which means my best guess is mentors going down for sure. He's been uh, atrocious this year. My guess is Chad Sabatka will be, option down as well and Josh Tomlin will go back to being the long reliever role which is a lot more conducive for him 
Now, I would also bet Austin Riley goes down to AAA uh, so he can get full-time at-bats, and that'll be where either Chris Martin or one of the other two take his spot on the roster. Just so he can try to get right, he's not going to get consistent at-bats here when you're trying to build something you're trying to keep winning. He needs to go back to AAA to see some full-time at-bats and, and try to get over this hump so he can help this team come October. What does it do for the Braves in the division? Well, I think the Braves were the best team anyway. The Nationals are pretty close talent-wise, but I think the Braves have the best collection of lineup, bullpen, and starting pitching anyway. The Nationals added a lot to their bullpen. They added three pieces of their own, uh, Ronas Elias, Daniel Hudson, and somebody else who I can't recall at the moment, and I don't feel like looking up for them. Uh, one of you guys can be sure to let me know. But they got substantially better in their bullpen. The Phillies added Corey Dickerson, and they added him for basically nothing, which was a good deal. That one kind of made me a little bit um, upset just a touch. Uh, That's a guy that I would have liked to see. But that's okay because they just lost David Robertson for the rest of the year. And while you don't ever want to be happy that somebody's hurt, David Robertson is a very, very talented relief pitcher, and the Phillies still have a ton of relief problems. So, I think I could count them out at this point. I think it's a two-team race at this point, and being six and a half ahead of the Nationals, I feel pretty confident that barring some major collapse, the Braves are going to take this division. But it's not just about the division. It's how the Braves stack up with two teams, really. The National League has a few good teams. The Cardinals have really gotten better, though, and they were they were leading the Central for uh, for a day after starting off really bad, now that uh, Paul Goldschmidt has started to turn it around, he's starting to uh, be Paul Goldschmidt again. I believe he's got seven homers in those last eight games or some stupid number. Uh, but I don't really think the Cardinals are a lot to worry about. The Cubs are a different story. Now, we saw the Cubs at two different points this year. The first time we slaughtered them, they were playing like crap. The second time, they beat us, uh, and we weren't playing our best defensive baseball either. That was, uh, I think that was Keuchel's second start it was his first or second start and the defense kind of let him down uh but the braves i feel match up well with the cubs because i don't really think the cubs have great starting pitching now they're going to get cole hamels back soon um and you darvish has talent for whatever reason he just can't seem to consistently put it together in chicago but that's really about the only two jose quintana doesn't worry you john lester for whatever reason pitches well against the braves although it drives me nuts that they don't just steal on him every time they have a base runner because he's not going to throw they have a decent starting rotation. They don't have a good bullpen. Uh, I guess Pedro Strop might be their best guy. Carl Edwards, I don't I don't know. It's not it's not a good bullpen for them. Uh, their lineup is really, really talented, though. When you talk about Rizzo and Baez uh, and Chris Bryant, they've got a lot of pieces in that lineup that can scare you. Kyle Schwarber as well. Wilson Contreras has been really good this year. That's a team that you have to watch. I would pick the Braves, though. In a series over the Cubs, in a five-game series, I would pick the Braves over the Cubs. I think the starting three of, at this point, since we did not add a starter, uh, starting three of Keuchel, Soroka, and uh, whether whether it be Max, whether it be a returning Fulty, whether it be a Julio Tehran, uh, between Keuchel and Soroka, I feel good about the Braves. Those guys are going to give up contact, yes, but the Braves' defense does not make errors or doesn't make a lot of errors. They're one of the best teams in baseball making routine plays. So I do feel pretty good about that. Lineup-wise, I think that we're a deeper lineup than the Cubs. I think they have more star power, but I think our lineup is deeper, especially with Acuna at leadoff and the way that Donaldson's hitting as he hits his 25th home run today, which pushes him into a three-way tie for the lead with Ronald Acuna and Freddie Freeman. 
Also should note, uh, Ronald Acuna became the first player since Chipper, I believe it was, to have uh, 25 homers and 25 steals. I believe he's the only player in Major League Baseball to this point in the season who has 25 homers and 25 steals. So it looks like 30-30 is going to happen for him the first time since Ron Gant, uh, which will just be another mark for Ronald Acuna and what is already becoming a superstar resume. The big question, though, and the one that everybody should should consider because if you're like me, it's not about getting to the playoffs. It's not even necessarily about getting out of the first round, although that would be a great start. It's about can you compete for a World Series? And the path to that is through the Dodgers. Now, the Dodgers didn't really add much at the deadline. They were kind of quiet. They were going after Felipe Vasquez, but the Pirates are stupid and were asking for Gavin Lux, who's the number 10 prospect in all of baseball, one spot ahead of Christian Pache. So that was a no-go. The Dodgers were never going to give him up for for a reliever, and nor should they. That's a dumb trade. I don't know why the Pirates are as stupid as they are, but it's one of the things you can count on. Um, So the Dodgers didn't do much. They didn't really need to. Their bullpen is shaky. This, I think, definitively makes the Braves' bullpen better than the Dodgers. So congratulations. We have one spot that we are better than them at. So if our starters can get us to the bullpen, then I think that we match up really well. The Dodgers lineup is just as deep as the Braves. Their bench is deeper, uh, and their starting rotation is better. When you talk about Walker Bueller, you talk about Hinjin Ryu, who's been just absolutely amazing the past year and a half, and you talk about Kershaw. They've got a really good rotation. Uh, Julio Urias is really talented as well. They've got a lot going on for them, so that team still scares me. Would I take the Braves over the Dodgers in a seven-game series? At this point, I'm still going to say no, just because it's a lot to ask of a pitcher. The Dodgers have this thing against the Braves. I think I still pick the Dodgers, but it's a lot closer than it would have been had the Braves stood pat. If the Braves hadn't made the bullpen acquisitions that they did, I would have said that they were in danger of a sweep this year, uh, much the same as they were in in danger of a sweep last year before they snuck a game in there. That Dodgers team is tough, and it's certainly a tall task to win three straight pennants, but this Dodgers team doesn't look like they're going to slow down at all. They'll call Gavin Lux up at some point this year. They've got a lot going on for them. Dustin May may make the uh, the, the big league club at some point as well and pitch out of their bullpen. So I don't think that we're better than the Dodgers. But that doesn't mean that we can't beat them in a series. There are crazier things that have happened in baseball, and like I've mentioned, winning three straight pennants is very, very difficult. So the Braves did do a really good job. They dealt from strength, and while I am still supremely upset that Joey Wentz is gone. I'm very sad because I did like him so much. I understand the move. The Braves dealt a guy who more than likely was buried behind a lot of other options and wasn't going to get a shot for a long time here in Atlanta, if at all. And they dealt him for a player that can help right now. Now, whether I like the player all that much in Shane Green, and I don't, they gave up guys that weren't going to get opportunities here, and they got something that helps them right now because even though I don't really like Shane Green that much, I don't think he's elite. I think his numbers are a little bit of a mirage. He's still better than anything that you have here. So that is a good trade by Alex. The Melanson deal is really good. You're just eating the $18.5 million. I don't care about that. I've wanted the Braves to spend more money for a long time, so I'm perfectly fine with that. And then you talk about Martin for Allard. Uh, anything that you could get out of Allard trade value-wise is probably more than he would be able to give you 
as a starter. So it lets him start over somewhere else, somewhere that he'll probably get more of a shot than he would have here. Uh, he'll be a better pitching prospect for Texas than he was for Atlanta at this point. And Chris Martin is a guy that you can turn to knowing he's not going to walk the world, that he that he throws strikes and he gets, he gets a lot of strikeouts. So all in all, the Braves had a really, really strong deadline. I'm a little bit annoyed that the Mets had to keep being the Mets and ruin it for themselves by holding on to not just Noah Syndergaard, who they should have dealt, but also Zach Wheeler, who I honestly cannot believe they held on to past the deadline. Now they're going to get nothing for him. They'll get a they'll get a pick because they'll slap a qualifying offer. But for whatever reason, the Mets can't help but be stupid, so they ended up adding Stroman. They kept Edwin Diaz as well. So congratulations, New York Mets fans. You've got to somehow pass five teams to get to the wild card. You're not winning the division. I don't know what they were thinking. They didn't trade Todd Frazier. They just added at the deadline, and it just kind of adds to Brody Van Wagen and being a ridiculous GM. One thing before I go, uh, if you guys noticed last night was what I think might have been the best brawl in baseball history. I think it might have taken the crown from uh, from Nolan Ryan and Robin Ventura. Amir Garrett in the Pirates and Reds game last night, and there has been a lot of bad, a lot of bad blood between the Pirates and the Reds. Well, Amir Garrett goes in and throws a Superman punch in the ninth inning, and there's this all-out brawl. David Bell comes running out of the dugout after getting tossed. He comes running down from the clubhouse and goes after Clint Hurdle, which is well-deserved because Hurdle is a total piece of work, and he's been having his pitchers hit people all year long. And really since he took over in 2013, since 2013, the Pirates lead the league uh, in hitting batters, and they lead by a wide margin. So this is a Clint Hurdle thing. If you weren't a Reds fan before, after last night, it's kind of hard not to be. As Yasiel Puig, who had just been traded to Cleveland the inning before, was still in the game for whatever reason. He gets involved in the brawl, so he's going to get traded with a suspension, the same as Trevor Bauer. Uh, But it, it was a great brawl. I highly, highly recommend that you watch video of it. It was amazing. If you're one of these people that doesn't like brawls in baseball, then I would say don't watch it because you're probably not going to like it. I think that sometimes it's necessary. I don't think it's bad for the game. People love hockey fights. People like when football players get chippy. Baseball is no different. So I enjoyed it. I was a big Reds fan for that, and uh, I'm glad that somebody's taking it to the Pirates. As for the rest of the Locked On Braves, let's get ready to start up a new series. Let's go ahead and let's polish off this division. Let's bury everybody and get focused on taking on the Dodgers and hopefully getting to a World Series where it looks like we're going to be take we'd have to face probably Houston who went out and added Zach Greinke, uh, Joe Biagini, and Aaron Sanchez, all guys with outstanding breaking ball pitches and high spin rates, which is something the Astros love. Uh, they definitely look like the team to beat in the AL. Should be fun. I definitely don't think we'd match up great with the Astros, but just to get to that point. lets you know that the Braves are on the right track. So if you're like me and you're sad that one of your favorite prospects is gone, try to look objectively, and I'm talking to you, Jackson, uh, try to look objectively and realize that it was a smart trade, it was good for both parties, and Joey Wentz will be just fine in Detroit, and I'll continue carrying my flame for Joey Wentz, as it just seems that every prospect I get attached to gets traded away. But that's enough of that. That's, That's a different story for a different episode. For today, that's all I got for you. Thank you guys so much. Hope you guys enjoyed the deadline. Hope you guys enjoyed the show today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place, right here on the Locked on Braves. 